0: Hello everyone. Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your one and only host, Monica. Hi. So sorry it's been a while since I've recorded a new podcast. You know, life, things happen, but I'm so happy to be back at it again with another pod. And today we're going to be talking about Bridgerton. Now, excuse me one second. This is probably going to be one of the first episodes I record where I talk about something that's actually like kind of topical and kind of still like interesting to people. I don't know if people are still interested in Bridgerton, but I am, so I'm going to talk about it. I started watching Bridgerton because a friend of mine, Annie, she was watching it. She wanted to watch it together, so I was like, sure. And I finished that eight episode drama and honestly, I really liked it. It was kind of good. There are some, you know, bad parts to it and everything, but you know, today we're going to talk about Bridgerton. Obviously there are going to be spoilers, so hopefully you have watched the show already. And if you're looking for a very concise review, that is very um, topical, and well put together and eloquent sounding, this is not the podcast for you. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. That was so gross. But this is simply just going to be me talking about Bridgerton. Bridgerton. So here we go. Bridgerton. It's set in 1813, which is around the same time that Pride and Prejudice was published. It has a very Jane Austen feel to it. It is a romance TV show. Um, it was part of Shonda Rhimes' deal with Netflix from her production company, Shondaland. And honestly, it very much gives me like Scandal, Grace Anatomy vibes, mainly because it was created by Chris Van Dyssen, who previously wrote for Shonda Rhimes on her shows Scandal and Grace Anatomy. It takes place in the Regency era, was Regency era of Britain. And the first season, it centers around Daphne, who is the oldest daughter of the Bridgerton family. The Bridgerton family is like eight children, four girls, four boys. And she is entering the competitive marriage market where essentially all- it's like the start of the social season and all these young girls are- taking the time to like put on cute clothes or, like go to balls wear corsets and like you know dance with like suitable with like prominent suitors and they're going to talk to them and they're going to you know it's very much like high society hoity-toity kind of romance and all in all I love the show um Daphne let's just get through the okay so Daphne right she is heralded as the belle of the ball. She is the diamond in the rough. The queen has basically anointed her as being the the girl, the it girl, you know the it girl of the season. This brings on the um, hammer that is her brother uh, Anthony and I love Anthony. Oh my gosh she's so hot. I remember seeing Anthony, who's played by Jonathan Bailey. I remember seeing him in this show called, I think it was Crashing. It was, um, fun fact. Oh gosh, not me forgetting her name. Gosh, y'all remember the girl who did Fleabag? Wow, how did I forget her name? Um, let me just go, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Okay. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yes. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She had a show before Fleabag and I'm pretty sure it was called Crashing. It was so good. I love that show so much. And basically, um, John Bailey, Jonathan Bailey, who is played by... Hold on. Played by who? Monica, why are you talking? Okay. Crashing. Yeah. Crashing was she was an actress, a writer, creator, executive producer of the show in 2016. It only had one season, which makes me sad because it was a really good show. and I really liked it. But Jonathan Bailey, he was in Crashing. He was also in um, Doctor Who. He was in like one se- one episode of Doctor Who, but that's what I mainly remember him from. And now he's in Bridgerton and he is, oh my I- God. Oh gosh, he was so cute. Oh, he was also in Chewing Gum and he was in Broadchurch. I remember him in Broadchurch. Dang, Jonathan Bailey, ooh, yes, spicy. Anyways, um, so Jonathan Bailey plays Anthony. He is the second oldest son in the Bridgeton, not the second oldest, he's the oldest son in the Bridgerton household and he is the Viscount because their father passed away so essentially he's the head of the household and essentially he's in charge of making sure Daphne finds the perfect mate and that the man that she marries is the right man for her and this brings on a lot of him just being super aggressive and just like trying to take charge and just being really annoying in the beginning of this show because he's trying really hard to get um, Daphne a great, a valuable suitor who will take care of her in her old age, you know, not marrying one of these young boys who just want to get married so they could finally have sex and then like be a kind of subpar husband, like someone who's a little bit older and has a greater foothold in society and of course Daphne just wants to have fun or whatever. But um, there's also the family called the Featherton, Featheringtons, and they take in a cousin and her name is Marina Thompson and it's very obvious that Marina is different from everyone else mainly because she's light-skinned she's black and Marina quickly takes hold of all the young suitor's attentions and that draws away the spotlight from Daphne and then Daphne is stuck with the choice of Lord Burbrook who is a frumpy old man with like I don't know who's having a midlife crisis and the size of acne and he's just like he's frumpy he's not he's not cute he's just not it you know and it seems like Daphne is on her last leg and she has no one else to choose but then someone else joins the picture it is Simon the Duke of Hastings he is a duke he's a rake He is a hot new suitor. He is a bachelor. And his father died recently. And he's living with lady... Not me. Mm -mm. No, I need to get her name right. Uh Uh-uh. We're going to respect the queen today. I know I put this in my notes. Well, Lady Danbury, Lady Danbury, Lady Danbury is honestly one of the best characters in the show. Hands down. She is amazing. She gives a performance that is electric. I love her so much. I want to know her story. I want to know her background. I want to know how she became a lady. Like somebody, if she has like, like seriously, I believe it was Julie Quinn, Julia Quinn. She wrote the Bridgerton books, which is where the adaptation comes from. If Julia Quinn wrote or writes a book solely on Lady Danbury, I will read that. All right, I'll read that. I'll read the heck out of that. Lady Danbury, she's the mother figure to Simon. And he's a Duke. Everyone wants to date him. And he is like, I don't want to get married. Um, I'm not interested. It's not for me. What we learn is that Simon has a really, he had a really, really, really hard childhood. Where his father, um, he his father tried repeatedly to have a son, and I think that his mom had like several miscarriages probably, and then when his mom was finally giving birth, the father wasn't in the room. He was talking to his friends, and the mother was giving birth by herself. And finally, when she gives birth. He takes the boy and he shows the little boy off to his friends in the other room. But then when Lady Denver goes in the room to check on her friend, Simon's mother, she's dead. And then Simon's father treats him like trash. And Simon has to stutter. And it's obviously tied to his anxiety and his need to be accepted by his father and how he feels out of place in the world and he doesn't feel accepted. And his father basically banishes him and acts like he doesn't have a son to the point where... The servants didn't even know that he had a son. It gets that bad. And when when Simon's father is on his deathbed, Simon straight up is like, I am never going to have an heir. You may be proud of the person I became, but that's only because Lady Danbury raised me to be this man. All right. You did nothing. You sat back and you were trash. You did not encourage me anyway. You did not give me any support. You did not give me any love. I did this for myself. I made myself who I am. So while you are on your deathbed, I'm letting you know. I will never sire an heir. The Hastings line dies with me. And then his father drew his last breath. And that. Oh my gosh. I remember watching that. I was like, oh snap. Oh, this is something else. Because I truly do love the show. And there's so many things to talk about the show. In regards to like marriage and dating and stuff like that. And you know. Bringing it back to Daphne, because she is the center point of the season. Um, Daphne's had a ball and Burbrook like corners her and he's like, I'm your only choice. You know, no one else wants you. You should be grateful that I want to be with you. And eventually he gets a little grabby and she punches him in the face. Thank goodness. And then Simon runs in and he's like, so what are you going to do about him? And she's like, well, I don't know. Because he is kind of my only choice. And then Simon was like, well... This stuff is stupid. The marriage market is ridiculous. It's dumb. She's like, I know but some of us have to get married off. Some of us can't just go around frolicking, having sex with whoever we want and not be judged for it, which bringing in a lot of misogyny, bringing a lot of facts, Daphne, we hear it. So Daphne and Simon concoct a plan where they're like, Simon doesn't want to get married. He doesn't want to sire an heir. And he wants the mothers to get off his back and stop sending their daughters after him at every ball. And Daphne needs somebody else to want to marry her because if somebody new wants her, then they might bring back her other suitors and maybe she'll be popular again. So they can they concoct this plan to be together and to pretend like they're dating, to pretend like they're courting when they're not, essentially. And... I mean, overall, it works, you know. The one thing, one plot point in the show that keeps it all moving is Lady Whistledown. Lady Whistledown is essentially a gossip newspaper. Um, She prints all the scandals, all the little things you hear whispering about the town. And everyone reads Lady Whistledown. And Lady Whistledown is obviously like a... (coughs) Excuse me. I know that in the eighteen hundreds, gossip columns um, was really a big thing. Uh, lady down is also kind of based off of another anonymous gossip writer by the name of Mrs. Krakenthorpe, who's who's also who also like her tagline is basically Mrs. Krakenthorpe a lady who knows everything. And Lady down is obviously a metaphor for like social media and how in our society reputation can be seen as a marker of currency you know you are it is a good thing when you are a positive influence to the masses and when you do something bad or something about you from your past comes to light it could really shoot down your reputation and you know society can hurt society judges you very harshly and very quickly if you do something that is not seen as, you know, acceptable. That's not seen as acceptable in today's society, in today's societal standards, you know? And I feel like I, one thing, Lady Wilson Down is voiced by Julie Andrews, who I love, queen we stand. all right? One another thing is that I find it interesting how like Lady Whistledown was really like just like everybody else but because she put it all on paper and because she printed it in her little pamphlet everybody was so enticed and like held on to every single word of um, what she was saying. But she was essentially just saying what they were saying it was just printed on paper you know. I found Lady Whistledown to be interesting and I found her to be remarkable but at some point she just kind of like she felt like a plot point that the show relied very heavily on and it was very Gossip Girl. It was very much- it was very very much cl- Gossip Girl, you know what I mean? Um, Moving on from Daphne and Simon, let's talk about the other characters because in my opinion, I feel like the other characters are a little bit more interesting but I think that they needed a bit more like they needed to be developed a little bit more. I feel like Eloise would have been a way more interesting character to focus on rather than Daphne. I understand why people, why in season one Daphne was the main character essentially. She looks like a main character. She acts like a main character. She's thin, she's white, she has beautiful long hair. And she, the actress who plays Daphne, she does a superb job. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. And also Simon, super hot. Beautiful. Love it. The romance is tantalizing and it's interesting. And I was hooked. Like I was super drawn in by it all. But I also know that season two is going to focus on Anthony because the second book focuses on him and his prospects of finding a wife because he was sleeping around with an opera singer from the different side of the carriage tracks and she broke up with him and I'm kind of interested in like why she broke up with him because I understand like they were like frolicking around and like you know essentially just being like f buddies but it's obviously he was sleeping with her because he's scared of marriage or scared of being with someone I think he actually like cared about her and even though he might have been scared to like actually like be with her in the beginning of the season by the end homeboy ran into the rain proclaiming his love for her and then she was very much like an opera singer who was very talented in her remarks but it's obvious that she didn't want to be confined to the rules of society and eventually she she found a somebody to take care of her somebody to be with someone to marry and she settled down with someone because although anthony I really like, gosh, I really liked Anthony and the Opera Sneaker. I thought they were really cute together, but I understand why she dumped Anthony in the end, because Anthony was unstable, Anthony would hide and sneak around from her, Anthony would use her as a method of escapism, and it wasn't solid, you know, it wasn't a solid relationship that she could... Put all, she can't put all her eggs in his basket. She can't just be with him because he's only with her, because he's bored, or he's scared of responsibility, or he can't take charge. Because honestly, throughout the whole series season, Anthony is like constantly stepping over his own foot. He is constantly tripping over his own tail, he is like- this man consistently messes up every single time and we love Jonathan Bailey, we really do, but sir- you gotta pick it up. You gotta do better. And I'm sure season two will be so interesting and remarkable. And I have a feeling that like Eloise will also become a secondary character in season two because now that Daphne has been married off, Eloise is next. And I love Eloise so much. She is so cool she's obviously the feminist character of the season but i also think that eloise might be not straight hmm? and i was thinking that one of the brothers i don't remember which one but i think one of the brothers is also not straight hmm? i think i was wrong about that one but there's another problem with the show is <sighs> It's just so straight. And I understand it's the 1800s, you can't really dive into that stuff. And they gave us a little soliloquy for one of the background characters. And it was good. It was great. It was emotional. It was deep. I liked it. But I want to see more. I wanted to see something a little bit more solid. It was interesting to see one of the brothers, I think his name is Luke. Yeah, Luke, when he went to like the parties that nobody knows about, that was super cool. That was interesting. And I feel like Lady Whistledown would be someone who would have gone to those parties if Lady Whistledown wasn't a literal 15 year old. I don't understand why they made Lady Whistledown Nicola's character. Nicola, she plays um, Eloise's friend Not me, you not remembering her name. I know I put it down here somewhere. I'm so sorry about this. Oh, Penelope, dang it. All right. So essentially Penelope is Lady Whistledown spoiler and I guess it kind of made sense because her mom was really a goss- was really like a gossipy kind of person and everything and it made sense that she would be Lady Whistledown because Lady Whistledown knew about all of the suitors that Marina was getting and everything and it helped that um, Penelope was also best friends with Eloise and Eloise is part of one of the biggest families in their town so anything that happens in the Bridgerton family Eloise would tell um Penelope and then Penelope would print it in the Bridgertown you know newsletter but it doesn't really make sense to me that she's Bridgerton you know like how is it that someone so young is able to print um papers like that and hold the attention of a whole town I mean it speaks to her intellect and it's amazing how like Eloise Penelope were acting like they were trying- Eloise, the whole season was trying to act like she was trying to unmask Lady Bridgerton and imagine her surprise when she finds out that Penelope is Lady Bridgerton. I'm sure there will be some kind of explanation or whatever in season two but it still seems like such a weird spoiler you know. I would have preferred if Lady Bridgerton was somebody who was literally a background character in the whole show. Like literally someone just You see sometimes sort of a few lines and then they were Lady Bridgerton. It would make more sense for them to be Lady Bridgerton rather than it being a child. You know what I mean? Another thing. Let's talk about Penelope real quick. Penelope, I feel for her. I really do. Because her mom was on something. Her mom was really annoying and her sisters, her sister's sisters are better and her dad obviously has some deep problems with gambling like homie used to get that fixed straight away and then oh my gosh how he like ran away or he disappeared i think he was murdered i truly think he's dead like it's made to it's like obviously like he um dang it why am i skipping ahead uh essentially penelope's dad is low-key trash and has some problem money problems but we're not gonna get into that um what else what else is there? Oh, all right let's talk about penelope penelope has a crush on colin bridgerton who is the youngest second youngest bridgerton kid and it's so obvious it's so it oh my gosh duh she likes him and that's the thing guys never know when a girl likes him and I feel like either Colin is just too nice or he's stupid because she very much, like, she pines for this young boy. And I had a feeling that he liked her too until Marina showed up out of nowhere and then suddenly he's obsessed with her. Like, they were cute. Like, Colin and Marina were cute. And also, Colin was a really good guy. And what happened to Colin kind of sucks, but I feel like that's also, like, stems for a problem of... Okay, I know I'm jumping all over the place in this podcast, this is kind of how I work. Essentially, um, there's a huge problem in Bridgerton with the diversity. And you know, diversity is a good thing, it's great, and it's wonderful that the show sets it up where the king fell in love with a black woman, and it opened up the doors for other, um... Dukes and ladies of color to enter into the kingdom to enter into the town and find a place in high society where they could all you know live together and live in peace and harmony that's great that's wonderful but i could not ignore the issues of race first of all with the queen i think the queen is interesting i think that she's a great example of high society in that time i think she's really great i feel like the actress who plays her is amazing and In regards to the king, the king essentially is kind of like losing his marbles, I believe. Like, obviously for us it would be dementia or something like that. He's kind of, he has a kind of senile disorder because he's getting up there in age. And there's a scene where the queen goes to visit him and he yells at her and he rebukes her. And he essentially goes, um, you know, I don't know this woman, get her out of my sight. And it must be difficult and hard when you think about how she fell in love with a white man in a time when interracial love was not accepted. And now the man that loved her and accepted her and allowed there to be peaceful unity within pe- with people of different races, that same man is now basically looking at her as an enemy and looked at her as a monster. And that's harmful because the people love their queen. and. Are so happy for their queen to be there but if the king were to somehow get better and then rebuke the queen and they kick her out of high society then she would not be able to come back she would just be kicked out and also that would bring in a huge shift and a huge divide for all the dukes and ladies of color if the queen were to somehow be banished from the kingdom because the crazy king suddenly gained some of his marbles back enough to address his kingdom and then cast her out You know, that's something that crossed my mind, but it never comes up in season one. Could it come up in season two? Probably not because Bridgerton is very much, Bridgerton is very much like soft. It's not soft. It is tantalizing. It's sexy. It's romance. It draws you in and it wants to... hoist itself up as something that's in the past times, but still somewhat progressive, so that people in our times can get behind it and like it. There's a soft lit glow to the whole, like to the whole to the whole show, and you see that in the production, and the costume designs. Obviously, like with the beautiful gardens and like the buildings and like the horses, the carriages, the dresses, all of that stuff. I, I. I tip my hat to you and all that you've done in regards to the costume, um, department for the show. But, you know, there are some things that I want to talk about in regards to the writing. Also another thing with race in the show is that the lovers of color have secrets that are being held over their heads by their significant others. You know, Simon doesn't want to have an heir and Basically, how Simon and Daphne start dating and dating to marriage is that they start making out in the, in the garden and, um, what was it? They start making out in the garden, Anthony catches them and Anthony's like, either you marry her or we're going to have a duel. And then Simon was like, well, let's have a duel. And then Daphne's sitting here like, wait a minute, you would rather die than marry me? It's, there are so many times where Simon's stupid, stupid stupid, stupid thing that he has with his dad just holds him back from any happiness and any joy. And it's so annoying and frustrating to me because I literally just want to fight Simon sometimes. Daphne loves you. You love her. It's obvious. We saw it from the beginning. But you guys won't put away your hurt or put away any other BS and just simply love each other and be there for each other. And you know, it becomes a problem when they get married and Daphne's like, I'm okay with not having kids. No, you're not, sis. You want to have babies. And there's also the part where like Daphne simply asks her mother, how are children made? How are babies made? And the mom doesn't tell her. That's the problem in this society is that certain things are withheld from young girls and then they have to enter into mature relationships and they have to enter new faces in their lives where they are not prepared for, they're not taught, they're not shown what is, has to be, they're not, like, they don't know how babies are made, essentially. And then we enter into a relationship, things happen that you weren't told about. And it it will knock you off your axis. And I think that the drive to get married and find a place in society can lead to some desperate situations that are not portrayed in the show. But it's, it it could happen, you know, it could happen. And essentially Daphne doesn't know how babies are made until she asks her servant. And then she does the worst scene that I saw in the show. Maybe not the worst scene, but like the scene I saw and I was just like, wait a minute. Are we actually doing this? And yes, Daphne basically forces Simon to hmm. When he finished, he didn't pull out that time. She made sure of it. That's all I'm gonna say. And it's this thing where like, she is basically like, well, I wanted kids and you thought that I knew how babies were made. I didn't know. And now that I found out, I'm gonna have my kids. So what's up? But she violated his privacy and she violated his space. She took away his agency, his right to choose, his consent, just to have babies and like, I understand that y'all lied to each other, saying that you would be okay without kids, but oh my gosh, the communication with these two is insane. Like, sure, you guys have a couple sex scenes and it's cute or whatever, but the the fact of the matter is, the amount of times that they- if you just sat down and talked to each other about your feelings, how these things wouldn't happen, gosh. It's so frustrating. The same with Anthony, Anthony, maybe if she just told the girl that you liked her, she would have run off with some other guy. Hmm? Sitting here with your mismatched sideburns. (laughs) Why are his sidebrows, why are his sideburns brown and bushy? Ugh, come on y'all. Yes. And another thing about the show is, um, everybody kind of looks the same. All the women are like delicate and pretty and slim And the one girl that people are actually thirsting after, she's light-skinned, so, you know. But um, I really do feel for Marina. Like, her whole storyline oh my gosh, Sis was just trying to survive. And the thing is, she was influenced by the wrong people and she made terrible decisions that hurt her. And a friendship with Colin, essentially. Because Colin was just a nice guy and he was totally fine with marrying her. And he would have married her if she just talked to him. But she was too scared to do that because she would have given up her position. She would have given up, you know, she would have to make herself vulnerable. And it's, there's so, oh my gosh, this show is messy and it's juicy and it's interesting and it's saucy and I loved watching every single part of it, but um, besides that, you know, it falls short sometimes and you can praise it for the inclusions of other races or for introducing Or having like Vitamin String Quartet play Billie Eilish during a ball. It's a noble love story and it's beautiful. But you know, the show falls short sometimes and of course it happens. It's something that's bound to happen in TV shows like how... Daphne and Anthony don't know how to light a stove and how I was sitting there watching like how do y'all not know how to Light a stove and then I forget that they're rich white people who've had servants take care of them their whole lives So of course they don't know how to light their own stove. Why would they? <clears throat> and There's also the part where Eloise, which to find out who Lady Featherington is And she thinks it's a servant because servants are everything and essentially when the servants goes to her and it's like servants are too busy being servants to write gossip columns, ma'am. So yeah, (laughs) I, hmm, what else do I have to say about the show? I don't know. I still feel like really iffy about the whole like manipulation aspect to like some of the relationships and also like I really want to talk about uh, Simon's friend who was the boxer I liked him a lot. I found that he was really interesting and obviously Simon's boxer friend was a symbol of like Simon's connection to working class society. How even though he's a very rich man he still um he still like took the time to kind of like be friends with will and like box with will and help him out with his um tournaments and he was a confident for the duke and everything but i don't want to ignore the fact that like will and um will and simon were really good are really good friends and they know each other really well and he goes to he goes to Will for whenever he has problems, whenever he has troubles. He relies on him and he has fun and, like, he hangs out with him. But he goes to Will to unload his problems onto him and then he goes to Anthony to have fun. He sees Will as a confidant, as someone to carry on his burdens, but he sees Anthony as a friend, someone to hang out with. Because Will may be his friend, but he's still, like, a lower class. And even though Simon probably wouldn't, like, think less of Will because of his social class. It's obvious that he spends more time with Anthony because it's just simply, it's simply easier to spend more time with people in your higher social class. And Will understands that having money is the best way to move up in society. And he literally fights to survive to provide for his family. So when the Featherington father comes to him and tells him to throw the match and that he will pay him handsomely so he can rise up in the ranks of society he seriously considers it because it's very hard to feed a family and take care of a family and even though society has moved forward and better in terms of progressiveness for a people of different races it's still difficult and hard for him and it's there's obviously still um a very clear line where the poor poor people are more likely to be people of color and rich people are more likely to be white like that's just simply it you know it's like today's dirt. not all black people are poor but you know rich black people are very few and far in between it's just something that's a fact it's just something that it is what it is what it is you know basically i i really do feel for will and when will like got like you know, near the end of the series he got the money from the Featherington father and he came up in his ranks and he became higher in the social class it's obvious that this is going to cause a divide between him and Simon I don't know if they're going to exp- explore that in season 2 but it would be cool if they did because I really want to hear from Will and have him talk about how like You know, your buddies, you know, the two of them are friends, but Simon went off to boarding school. Simon was rich. Simon had money. Even though Simon had a terrible father, he still had the privilege that Will did not. He had food on the table and clothes on his back where Will had to fight to survive and fight to live and he has to work extra hard every day so if he's gonna throw a match just one time to provide for his family so he doesn't have to fight every single weekend just so his kids can have warm food in their bellies then he's gonna do that but that's obviously gonna be a problem because the Featherington father is missing now and Will took money from the Featherington father which means that the gang that the Featherington father owes money to is going to come after Will will now and that's something that i would love to see explored in um season two but we don't know if that's gonna happen so yes i think that's all i really wanted to say also the fact that <laughs> i remember oh the the frederick prince of per- Prussia, prusia prussia came in the guy from um, harry potter yeah um what do you have to say about him? I feel like that guy, he should have like, ended up with somebody. He should have ended up with that mean blonde girl. He really should have. Cause for a second I did think the mean blonde girl was Bridgerton. I feel like it would have been interesting if she turned out to be, not Bridgerton, lady, um, lady, lady, uh, Frank, whistle down. I feel like the blonde girl, the really mean one, she should have been whistled down. I feel like it would have made a lot more sense if it was her. Especially considering that she kind of acted like she saw Daphne and Simon in the garden and if she printed something like that in her Whistledown newsletter, that would be interesting. That would be cool. I feel like it would have made more sense for her to be Lady Whistledown or it would have made more sense for the freaking Seamstress to be Lady Whistledown. That was a perfect- that was a lot more- that made a lot more sense than it being Penelope. I don't understand what we. I don't know what, like, there is to gain for Penelope being whistled down, other than obviously Penelope and Eloise not being friends anymore. But, um, either the mean blonde girl or homegirl who's deceived, they could have been whistled down. I feel like that would have been a lot more interesting, but. Yep. Um. Anything else I want to say? Let's see. Oh, Marina? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Marina. I hope she's okay with, like,. Marrying her, the brother of the guy she was in love with. It's so sad that he died in the war. That's that's heartbreaking, but at least she's gonna be okay. At least she's gonna be taken care of. That's all that matters. I'm glad that Marina's gonna be fine, and that's essentially it. That's all I wanted to say about Bridgerton. Um, if you guys have any thoughts about Bridgerton, uh, feel free to let me know. You can uh, let me know. Um, uh, I also go live on Twitch, so if you would like to see me stream on Twitch, totally um, check out the link in the description. I'm pretty sure I have a link tree, so you can check out that link tree and yeah, that's basically it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It's been a while since I uploaded a new podcast, but if you guys have any suggestions, for any other tv shows i should talk about or watch if you have any thoughts feel free to e- email email me uh, my email will be in the description and that's about it uh stay blessed y'all